Welcome to the Vivid Church Podcast. Wherever you're listening from today, it's our hope that this message would help you reflect the light of Jesus' life for all to see. Now, here's Pastor Justin Reimer. Earlier this week, Jennifer and I celebrated our 19th wedding anniversary. I'm now at the point, a couple months away from being married officially half of my life. I tell her this often, and she reminds me the same, that we're really living, I think, one of the greatest love stories ever told. You know, I think for your life, you need to know this, that God intends for you to live the greatest love story ever told. It's the heart of God for you that you would be completely fulfilled. You could look back on your life and say, I had the most fulfilling, most life-giving relationship imaginable. But what happens for a lot of people is because they don't like the chapter they're in, they give up on the thought of it having a happy ending. They don't love the chapter of the story that they're in, and so they assume that maybe God didn't intend them to have a great story anyway. Today, I want to ask you, don't lose heart. Don't give up on that story, whatever season you might be in. In fact, I want to tell you a story from the Bible, a story of Ruth and Boaz, one of the greatest love stories ever told. And it's not great because it lacked uh, pain. It's not great because it lacked awkwardness. It's not great because it lacked difficult times. In fact, this story, it has all those things. It has heartbreak and it has awkwardness and it has some difficulty to overcome and some transition. But it's great because in retrospect, we can look back and see the effects of intentionality. Now, intentionality, someone's like, hold up, that doesn't sound very romantic. Intentionality? Like, aren't you supposed to fall in love? What a funny statement it is. Like, I get it, and I'm a pretty romantic guy, but we don't actually fall in love. We jump into love. We make a decided effort. Like, nobody accidentally says, I don't know how these flowers got here, but I guess they're yours. Like, it just happened. No, no, it's an intentional thing. In fact, I think intentionality is incredibly romantic. You could say intentionality is sexy. And for some of you, you're wondering, where did the romance go? Where did the the spark go? Well, you can trace it back to decisions made of intentionality. And so today, in in the context of Ruth and Boaz's story, I want to highlight to you some of the intention that goes into building a great relationship. The preparation for a great relationship, the pursuit of a great relationship, the proposal of a great relationship. And whatever chapter you're in, whether it's a chapter of heartbreak or a chapter of awkwardness or the loneliness of just working on your character or the transitions of of, of coming together and working things out, I think there is some intentionality that we can all apply today that will lead to that greatest love story ever told. Let me give you some context. Ruth was married. And Ruth's husband passed away. Not only her husband, but also her father-in-law and her brother-in-law. I mean, the, the story of Ruth, it starts with tragedy. There's this woman named Naomi and her two sons and her husband and, and all three of the men die. And here she is. It's her and her two daughters-in-law, all widowed, all heartbroken. Naomi returns to her home. She goes, I'm done in this new land. I'm returning to the place I came from. And, and Ruth says, Naomi, I'm going with you. Naomi's response to her is, why would you waste your time? Like, like start a new life. This chapter is over. And, and she was ready to close the book and just say, like, the good ending of this story is, is far beyond gone. We're all heartbroken. Let's just call it a day. But Ruth has this incredible, persistent, affectionate commitment to her 
mother-in-law. She goes, I'm going to go with you. Wherever you go, I will go. And your people will become my people. And your God is my God. And the place you rest is the place I will rest. I'm really, truly committed to you. And you know, Ruth wasn't only committed to Naomi. She was committed to the, the, the God that Naomi served. She was committed to the, the, the faithfulness of God and saying, I know there's a good end to this story. I'm not going to give up. I know for a lot of people, they experience some heartbreak and they simply say, I'm done. They experience some, some awkwardness and they say, I'm out. I want to ask you if I could again today, like believe again and, and, and put your commitment and your faith again into the thought that God does have a good ending in mind for you. There's a good story on the other side of this intentionality. So Ruth returns to, to Naomi's homeland and you can find the story in a book in the Bible appropriately called Ruth. And uh, they return to this homeland and there they are, two single women and they're, they're living. They have no means of resource. They have no ability to generate funds. And so Ruth did, as was common in the custom of the time, she would go to a field that she didn't own uh, where harvesters were bringing in a crop that didn't belong to her. And she was referred to as a gleaner, someone who would go and, and take just the little scraps that were left over. And I give you all the context of that story so that we can pick up on the, the, the good part, the romantic part, the exciting love story that's being told. If you have your Bible with you, it's in, in the book of Ruth, uh, chapter 2. And I just want to highlight a series of things today. And one of these or two of these or a few of these are going to spark in your mind and say, I can work on that. I could make some intentional decisions on that. Ruth chapter 2 starts this way. Now, Naomi had a relative on her husband's side. He was a man of standing from the clan of Elimelech. His name was Boaz. First thing I want to mention is that Boaz was a man of character. And character requires development. No one is accidentally full of character. We're all born completely flawed. We, we all have our own issues and, and unique idiosyncrasies. And if we were to just live in those... We would live completely selfish, selfish. We would live completely for self. But clearly, Boaz was willing to go through a process of developing his character. He was known in the community as a man of standing. See, wherever you are right now, you might be thinking, once I meet the right person, then I will become the right person. It just doesn't happen that way. You can put in the work right now to become Mr. Right, to become Mrs. Right, before you even meet the person with whom you'll share the rest of your life. Boaz committed himself to developing his character. In verse 2, it says this, And Ruth, the Moabite, said to Naomi, Let me go to the field and pick up the leftover grain behind anyone in whom eyes, in whose eyes I find favor. I love that statement. Ruth was seeking to be found favorable. She was looking to be found favorable in someone's eyes. She wasn't just looking for cheap attention. She wasn't just seeking, you know, the likes of, of a crowd who would say, you're so hot. She wasn't looking for someone to, to slip into her DM. She was looking to be found favorable in someone's eyes. This word favorable could also be translated as elegant. This word favorable or ele elegant could also be translated as strong. See, Ruth was committed to being seen for who she really was. My goodness, is there ever this temptation at somewhere along the journey to bypass the awkward chapter, to bypass the lonely chapter, to bypass the discouraged chapter or the heartbroken chapter 
to say, I'm just going to find somebody who sees something in me they like, and I'm going to chase that attention. But Ruth was committed. She had intentionality to say, I want to be found not just attractive, but favorable. I want to be found not just available, but favorable. I want to be known for my elegance, for my character. That takes some intentionality. Now, she she comes across the, the field of this man named Boaz. And I think it's important to be noted that the field was owned by Boaz. He had a job. Like one of the greatest things you could do right now to, to build into your ability to have a good relationship is be an incredible employee. Be an incredible manager, an incredible employer, whatever station or, or stage of life you're in, commit yourself to work ethic. Why? Because relationships take work. That means right now, even while you're single and you're working a job, you can become a better husband or a better wife for the future by developing a work ethic, by putting in the work required to excel at your job. I think you could say, oh, it's just a simple point. Of course he had a job. No, no, not of course he had a job. He was committed to developing himself. Not only his character, the reputation by which he was known, but also his work ethic. I want to challenge some people. You're lazy and single and you're wondering why that's the case. You can actually overcome that lazy piece right now. Now, don't hear me wrong. You're not necessarily single because you're lazy. Those two things don't have to coexist together. In fact, some, you're not single, but you're still lazy. Some of us, we're in a committed relationship, we're engaged, we're dating, maybe even married, and we're still struggling with some of these issues of character and issues of work ethic. I want to challenge you today. If you want to have the greatest love story ever told, if you want to to end up with the type of story that's told for generations to come, be intentional about being the very best that you can be. Is that cool? I mean, if, if we were in, in a public setting, I'd be like, is everyone cool with this? Am I hitting a little bit too hard? And so maybe today you can just like in the chat be like, yeah, that's cool. We're with you. We're following along. That's like the new thing. It's not turn to your neighbor and say, we're cool. But I guess in the chat, just say, we're good. Okay, I'm going to give you some more. I'm going to just fire these out because there's so many moments of intentionality that take place in this story. Verse four, it says this, that, that, uh, Boaz returned to his field, and when he arrived from Bethlehem, he greeted all his harvesters with this statement, The Lord be with you. Again, a cultural nuance, maybe. Uh, again, just a normal colloquialism, perhaps. But I believe what it's speaking to is the spirituality that Boaz had. Boaz had developed his relationship with God. For some people, when their relationship life, their romance life is not going the way they want, they, they see God as the, the scapegoat. They're saying, God, if you would just do better for me, if you would give me the things I want, then, man, you're going to have my heart. But Boaz had a heart committed even where he was at. Can we all just commit to that in whatever season we're in, that, that it's not the blessing that we're seeking, but it's the one who blesses? We're not just looking for God to make life great and then we will respond to him. He has already done it all. He's already made a way for us to live in love relationship with him. So let's grow in our spirituality. You look, you got character and reputation. You got work ethic. You got spirituality. On the, the flip side, you have Ruth. Ruth, who's committed in the midst of heartbreak to her mother-in-law. She's committed to those family bonds and committed to the, the commitments, the relationship she had made. And she is, instead of trying to uh, shortcut the process, she's saying, no, I want to be known for my elegance. I'm not looking 
just for cheap attraction. I want to be known for who I am really on the inside, not just looking for a flirtatious moment that'll make me feel momentarily good about myself. So Boaz, he, he comes to his field. He goes, the Lord be with you. And then look what happens. This is beautiful. Verse five, then Boaz asked the overseer of his harvesters, uh, who does that woman belong to? Now, don't get caught up on the belong to thing. It's a cultural thing. You're going, hey, that's wrong. No one belongs to anyone. Of course. What he was saying is, I've never seen her before. I know everyone who's here. She stands out to me. And I think it ought to be noted this, that there is chemistry involved in a great relationship. It's not the only thing. Imagine if that was the whole story. Boaz was riding up to his field. He saw someone. He's like, whoa, who's that? But imagine if the story didn't involve that chemistry, it would also be a little weird, wouldn't it? If Boaz is like, well, I'll just do the right thing then. No, no, there needs to be that chemistry and that dynamic. Just know this, you don't build on chemistry, you build into chemistry. Chemistry is not something you build on. You say, we have so much passion, that will be the foundation of our relationship. Instead, chemistry is something you continually build into, that you cherish and you honor and you respect and you're grateful for and you invest into and you you give towards and you're intentional about fostering that chemistry. So he says to his, his harvester, hey, who's that? She stood out to him. Do you know what stood out to him about her? That she was favorable. Like the very thing she had desired to be noticed for, she was noticed for. And he calls her out and he, he says to her, hey, I've noticed you. I've seen you. And I've also heard about you because your character goes before you. Now, if we would really grapple with that for a moment, do you know that so often your reputation precedes you? Your character goes before you and you are known before you're ever introduced. Do you know what I'm saying? You're known by the way that you live your life. And so let's continually be intentional about the development of our character. Now now we see here in verse 8, it's, it's important to notice, Boaz, he actually initiates with real intentionality. He says this, verse 8, uh, Boaz said to Ruth, my daughter, listen to me. Now again, you could get caught up in the daughter thing. Like I know she's calling him Poppy and he's calling her my daughter. It's just, again, it's just culture. He, he, he's speaking to her as a younger woman and he doesn't know where she's at, if she's married, who she's with. But he says this, hey, my daughter, I want you to listen to me. Don't go and glean anywhere else. Don't go away from here. Stay here with the women who work for me. Watch the field where the men are harvesting and follow along with all the other women, I have told the men not to lay a hand on you. And whenever you're thirsty, go and get a drink of water from the jars that the men have filled. He's really, truly intentional about his, his thoughts towards her. He's intentional about how he feels. Now, what could be noted here is that it's his role. And I'd probably live in an old-fashioned type sense where I'm like, come on, men, let's be men. Because the truth is, boys don't find Elegance as a favorable trait. Boys aren't looking for an elegant girl, but men are looking for an elegant woman. So I'm a little old fashioned. I would say, hey, we see here Boaz made the first move. I don't think it's really though about who makes the first move. It's about that that move is intentional. That move is made with intentionality and it's responded to by Ruth with intentionality. Look what she says in verse 11 in response to Boaz's very intentional invitation he, essentially what he's saying is, I would like to get to know you better. I hope to see you here every day. 
I've made it made a way that we could continue to get to know each other. And what Ruth says in response is this, uh, uh, or Boaz says, I've been told all about you and what you've done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband and how you left your father and your mother and your homeland to live with the people that you did not even know. And may the Lord repay you for what you've done. Her response, verse 13, may I continue to find favor in your eyes my Lord. Now again, cultural, but I love that saying. She's like speaking with respect. He's extending respect to her saying, I'm not, I'm not trying to just uh, objectify you. My daughter, he's speaking like this very uh, kind uh, type of, of response. And then she's responding with crazy respect. She's going, my Lord, like in this position, you don't have to be this nice, but I notice that you are this nice. And I hope the more you get to know me, the more you come to like me. Like, like it's this really nuanced conversation, but so intentional. He's saying, I hope we continue to get to know each other. And she goes, yeah, I hope we do too. Essentially what you see is that there's no games being played. Like there's no silly passive aggressive. In what order do we send emojis back and forth? And did I come on too strong by texting too soon? Should I play it cooler? Should I be more aggressive? It's very intentional with what they're looking this for this relationship to become. I also think it ought to be noted that Boaz listened to the opinion of his friends. He had friends. He said, I've heard about you. Who had he heard it from? His friends. In fact, when, when he sees her for the first time, he calls over a friend into the relationship and he goes, hey, what do you see? Am I missing something here? Now, have you ever had that friend who waits until after you've broken up and says, oh yeah, I never liked her anyway. <sighs> That's not a good friend. Have you ever had that friend that like, yeah, we all thought he was the worst anyway. That is not a good friend. You need to surround yourself with the type of people who see the best for you and give them an invitation, which takes intentionality to speak into the relationship. He's going, hey, if this is just a chemistry thing, can you just flag it for me? Can you tell me if I'm seeing something that shouldn't be seen here? I need your input. Find those type of friends. You say, well, I'm single right now. Guess what? You can build those relationships. You say, well, well, I'm in a relationship right now. Cool. That's awesome that you're in a romantic relationship, but that is not the only relationship in your life. Continue to build relationships with people who, who can peer with you and come alongside you and bring strength. Again, is this okay? Can you just put in the chat if this is okay? I know I'm kind of being really direct today as I speak through, but guess what? I'm being intentional because I don't think great love stories just happen accidentally. I don't think people trip into great love stories. They make continued decisions of intentionality to develop them and foster them one chapter after another. So Ruth responds with intentionality. Now, whether a guy guy initiates and a girl responds or a girl initiates and a guy responds, what's the point that's being made is there's intentionality on both sides. And I think for all of us, we ought to just stop playing games. For all of us, we just ought to start saying what we really mean and meaning what we say. Now it goes down to this, verse 14. It says, lunchtime came. Oh man, there's something good about sharing a meal together. Look at this, lunchtime came. It says, at mealtime, Boaz said to her, come over here uh, and then have some bread and dip it in this vinegar that I've brought. It's kind of cool. He orders for her. (laughs) It's first date type material. He's like, hey, come hang out over here and I'll, I'll pick for you because he didn't want that awkward exchange. Like, where should we eat? I don't know. What do you like? I don't know. He's like, I just got this pick for you. Again, you might not like that cultural nuance. I think it's pretty funny. And so they gathered together, but you'll notice this, that they were together in a group. 
I think that the, the art of a group date is something that should never be lost. Learn how to hang out together in groups. You see, a few things take place. One, you find out if someone's really proud of you. You see, if they're not willing to bring you into a group of their friends, there's something a little bit off there. Two, you find out if they really have the intention to pursue you. I want to say this, if the person you're with only has enough game to get your attention when they have you exclusively, I don't think they're ready for this. They're not ready for the type of love story that you want to be a part of. They need to have enough confidence to show you even in a group setting, you're the one that I'm looking at. I'm not just giving you my attention because you're the last option. I'm giving you attention because you're my first choice. It's this intentionality that takes place. Three, guess what? He learned in that moment something just about the way she interacted with people. Imagine this, if he gets super exclusive, he's like, hey, you and I, we need to, we need to be together, just the two of us. And then he finds out in the first meal, he doesn't even like the way she chews her food and she talks while she's eating and it's just not going to work. And all of a sudden the chemistry is gone. There are things you can learn in, in a friendship group type setting. Being intentional, yes. Intentional to develop, yes, but not yet exclusive. Now here's what happens. In between there, And the next step, some time passes. I don't know how much time. It speaks about like the barley season. I don't, I'm not a farmer, but some time passes. I don't think the amount of time is as important as the principle of time. They are not running to the altar, so to speak. They're not, you know, forcing the issue that we felt some chemistry and we got to keep this thing going by continually having more romantic interactions. We need more dates. We need more gifts. We need more affection. They let, they let, some time pass. They let some time develop. I think it's important to spend some time of the year together. Find out how are these people in in holiday season. You might have experienced at some point some summer love and that summer love changed as soon as September came. Why? Because the season changed. Allow for some time to go by. What does that require? Oh my goodness, some intentionality. Patience is a, a virtue of intentionality. Now in just the next couple of minutes, I want to bring a conclusion to this chapter of the story. There's another chapter and you could go read it for yourself. The book of Ruth is only four chapters long. You're going to feel so accomplished when you finish it. But, but this thing takes place. Now, in that culture and time, it was the responsibility of, of relatives. If there was a a widow for them to redeem the widow. And, And essentially the, the culture of the time was this, that I would accept you as your, your, the relative of your deceased husband that she would be accepted as his wife. Now, Boaz was close enough related to her uh, her former husband, former husband, deceased husband, close enough related anyway that it would have been his role. He would have been one of the people who was eligible to redeem Ruth and to take her as his wife. But I love that he doesn't force the issue. He doesn't treat her like a commodity. He doesn't treat her like property. He waits and he allows for some time to come. Now, when the time comes, Naomi says to Ruth, Ruth, it's time for you to let let him know that 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 your heart is really into this. And it was such a weird culture. I mean, we, we could take a whole series talking about the interactions here, but essentially what she does, she goes and meets him at his farm and he's asleep and, and, and she goes to where his feet are on the bed. Now, some of you are like, feet I'm out. Now, all the chemistry is gone when I see feet. And some of you maybe think the other way, also weird. But, but she comes and the, the Bible says she uncovered his feet and she lays down at his feet. It's interesting. Like this is not a, a salacious move. This is not sensual in any way. It's actually really humble where she's saying, I need what you provide. 
And, and it's not because she's weak. It's actually because she's strong. Weakness would say, I, I need to cover up to you that there's anything wrong. I, I'm so weak. I don't want you to notice my weakness. But in her strength, she says, I'm good as I am. But I think there's something that I could bring to your life. And you're good just as you are. But I think there's something that you could bring to mind. And so she presents herself in this way. I don't think this would be a good first date option. I don't think this is a good proposal option. I don't think anyone should plan a go lay at somebody's feet thing. But, but what takes place here is really interesting. Boaz wakes up. He goes, Ruth, what are you doing at my feet? And she just says this, would you, would you cover me? In other words, she's saying, would you redeem me? In other words, she's saying that that season of heartache, as much as it's still real, has come to an end. And I'm ready to, to give my heart again. And I'm ready to give love another chance. And the Bible says this, Boaz immediately, he says, when you wake up tomorrow, I'm going to deal with this. I think it's so important to note that he's ready to take action. If you're in a season in your life where you're not yet ready to take action, then you're not yet ready to start that relationship. Just wait. Being single is great. Developing friendships is great. You can develop your character. You can work on your work ethic. You can work on all of those things. Your friendships don't rush to force an issue that you're not ready to act upon. When she's ready, he's ready. And so he takes action. And not only does he take action, he also honors her integrity. It says when he woke up in the morning, he goes to his friends. He goes, hey guys, nothing happened here. I want you to know that what took place was not a a sexual transaction. That what took place was not her being taken advantage of or me being taken advantage of. What took place here was honorable. And I'm going to go act on this. And we're going to make a decision today on how we're responding in this next season. I think it's really important, and it takes intentionality, to honor the person that you're in a relationship in every conversation. I really mean this. I'm speaking to men. I'm speaking to women. Speak the best of the person that you're in a relationship with. You say, oh, we've only dated a few times. Speak the best now. Oh man, we're, we're, we're close enough that we can kind of just get real with each other. Cool. Be authentic and real, but don't be cheap and don't cheapen the way that that person is seen by the way you speak of them. Always defend their honor. Always speak the best. Always put them in a good light. You say, but he's my husband, but she's my wife. We've been together a long time. I've now seen the whole picture of who they are. Continue to speak the best. And when you call out the best, watch how the person you're married to will rise to that occasion. Hey, this story is still full of so many great things. Guess what? They get married. Oh, it's awesome. And then they have a baby. And that baby is actually in the lineage of Jesus Christ. They're like the great, 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 great grandparents of Jesus. God has had a story prepared for Ruth when she's in heartache. God has a story prepared for Boaz When he's alone and just working hard at his business and he doesn't see any prospects around. God has a story at place when they're in the awkward beginnings of their relationship in a group setting saying, Hey, do you want some bread? Come dip it in this vinegar. Like all the weird. God has a a story prepared when she approaches his feet and says, Would you cover me? God has a story prepared. You, You see what happens is that God's calling us to be intentional, but he's also very creatively intentional in the way he treats us. God has a perfect story in store for you. And the Bible says this, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Whatever season of life you're in right now, you can begin by the intentional decision to make God your number one priority, to make your relationship with God something you cherish and something you develop.
Really glad that this is not the last message in this series. I feel like I have so much more I could say on this, but I'm going to intentionally bring this to a close right here and now because we're going to pick this up again next week. We hope that you enjoyed this edition of the Vivid Church podcast. For more information about Vivid Church, check out our website at www.vivid.church or look us up on Instagram at vivid.church. Have the best day.